can I can I swear? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't okay. care. <laughs> All right. So I'm just going to say this, like if and if if you're listening and you're offended, I apologize in advance, but I'm going to I'm going to swear. So I remember being on the phone with one of my friends before I left corporate and saying. The company I work for is amazing. The people are amazing, but I'm tired of being somebody's bitch. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Coachpreneur Podcast, your go-to podcast for coaches who are ready to become successful coachpreneurs. I am your host, Tyler Hall, and boy, am I excited for today's episode because today I get to connect with one of my coaching friends, Bethany Clemson, as we discuss how she has dialed in on herself to really connect to what matters to her and her family. In today's episode, Bethany shares her incredible journey of traveling the United States in an RV with her husband and two teenage children, and how that experience, plus many other life-changing moments, have allowed her to really embrace minimalism so she can maximize living life. Bethany is a former corporate leader who hustled for her worth until she eventually hit a wall. In her career, Bethany had the opportunity to sit with people as they neared the end of their lives and she watched their dreams die with them. She started to think about her dreams and what she really wanted out of life and she and her family decided to sell most everything they owned and they bought a motorhome to travel the U.S. After a year on the road, they landed in Wisconsin where they are currently fixing up a multi-cabin property on a beautiful lake where they will have Airbnbs and be able to host retreats. Bethany spends her days serving entrepreneurs and business leaders by helping them show up authentically and build their teams with a connection that drives results. And like I said, I am so excited for today's episode because Bethany Bethany and I, we really just connect deeply on authenticity, on connecting to what makes you happy, and we just have a really raw personal conversation. So let's go ahead and let's kick off today's uh, conversation and let's welcome Bethany to the podcast. Hi, Bethany. Thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to connect with you. Hey, Tyler. I am thrilled to be here. I remember our first conversation when you were on my podcast several months ago and I love your heart for people. I love your passion to serve and to really, um, well, you do what I call, uh, you're, you're a hope dealer. You, you dish out hope, you show people that things are possible, and you let them borrow your belief until they can stand on their own. And, and I love how you're spreading your light in the world. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. That was amazing. And I love that title, Hope Dealer. Um, because I do, I do this exercise with my clients, with my coaching clients, and I have them create titles to give themselves. And so I love that you just gave me another title for myself. I appreciate that. Perfect. Yes, it's so great to reconnect. I, like you said, we connected on your podcast a couple of months ago. And I mean, we just, 
there was just like an, an electric spark between mm-hmm. us. And I was like, okay, she's somebody that I'm going to have in my, in my network of, of coaching friends for a long time. So it's, it's a pleasure to have you here today. And, and I would love to have you just kick off this conversation by just sharing a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Okay, sure. So I guess officially I am a mother to two teenagers, Lord help me, um, <laughs> a freshman and a sophomore in high school. Actually, they're great kids. Um, I've been married to my husband, Tom, for 21 years. We currently live in the North Woods of Wisconsin. Like we're about an hour south of, of Duluth Superior, a couple hours north of Minneapolis, St. Paul. And it's beautiful and frigid up here. It's supposed to be. Um, so at the time of this recording, it's early February, but this coming weekend, it's supposed to be like 25 below zero. That's not wind chill. That's like actual temperature. <sighs> and so I'm hunkering down for like a crazy cold weekend. But um, so uh, besides that, I I am a, I used to work in the corporate world and um, kind of got tired of living the prescribed life. Um, I became a coach and a speaker and did that as a side hustle until I got brave enough to uh, step out and make that my full-time gig. And um, so that's what I do every day. I get to, I get to deal hope as well, Tyler, Um, and uh, help people. I I usually work with highly driven um, leaders. That's kind of my, the people that tend to come to me, people that or maybe uh, they know there's something more out there for them. They're just not sure what that is, whether that's more in their relationships or more in their leadership at work or, or just more for themselves, more fulfillment. So um, I hope that did that answer your question without being too long-winded? <laughs> Perfect. And we were talking before we started recording the podcast, your story is, is, is very kind of symbolic of, what I like to call the American dream 2.0, you know, and, and we were talking before, like, there's this old ideal of like what the American dream is, you know, you, you, you get married, you have a couple of kids, you build, you know, you mm. buy the house, you have the land, you get the dog, you get the car. I mean, all of these kind of things, you right. go to work and, and work, you know, for 45 years and climb up the corporate ladder and, you know, you, you get the, the pension and the retirement and all of these kind of I want to say it's like it's like post World War II kind of mm-hmm. ideals of what the American dream is, and for so many of us, like that's no longer the American dream. The American dream is no longer about like working for a company for X amount of years and then retiring at sixty-five and going to play golf and and travel and all of these things. It's like you went through something like this. You, you just said you were, uh, you were in the corporate world and you just kind of hit this wall or hit this area of like burnout and you and your family, you guys did something very crazy. And (laughs) when you told me about this, when we first connected, I was like, no way, that is like such a great story. And I hope she's writing a book or something about it, but it's like, you literally packed, you, you sold your house and then you packed up your family and you mm-hmm. moved into an RV and you traveled across the country in an RV for over a year. Is that correct? Yeah, about a year. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, what? we did. 
go ahead. No, I mean, I'm, I'm just like it, that story. I love this story because it's, it's literally the new American dream. It's like, everybody has this fantasy of like escaping their houses and their jobs and packing up and, and traveling. And like, people always fantasize about it, but you actually did it. And I want to know like, what, what prompted that? What was that experience like? And I'm, I'm just eager to know this story. Sure. Well, um, personal growth is what, I mean, if I had to like summarize it in two words, that's what prompted it. Because as soon as I started to ask myself one single question, why am I doing this about everything? I started to become clear on what I had been programmed to do, like what I thought was right and true and what I wanted for me, like the, the story I wanted my life to be about. And um, as I did that, I started to talk with my family differently and we started to dream differently. And we realized that we were just living, I'm doing air quotes here, the prescribed life, like what you just said, 2.5 kids, acreage, we had a house, we had a guest house, we had like all the toys, we had the income level, you know, the friends, the right church, all the things. And we were uh, disconnected. Um, I felt like I didn't ever see my kids. I didn't really know them. Um, and, and I was traveling all over. I was on call 24 seven for a, over a decade. Like, mm. you know, I would drink two glasses of wine at night and chase it with an Ambien to go to sleep. Like, because I couldn't shut my brain off. It was like high stress mode, unhealthy living, but I thought I, I was just doing what I thought I should, and again, air quotes, do, because I didn't think any better. I just I just did what I thought. And, and as um, I'm actually a nurse by trade, so I used to work in a clinic and then in, in the emergency room, and then I kind of fell into the senior living industry and I opened up a senior living community and ran it as an executive director. And then I moved up the ladder and I sat with people over and over again throughout the years as they were facing death. I mean, we had conversations sometimes. I mean, they knew for, you know, eight or 10 months or two years that their condition was terminal. And obviously when you're in your later years of life, you, you start to evaluate your life anyway. And what I heard over and over again was that people lived their life according to what they thought society or other people wanted them to do, right? Like they, they didn't think about what they wanted necessarily. So this is what it sounded like on the deathbed because nobody says that, what I just said. What they say is, oh, I had a good life, but... I really wanted to see the Grand Canyon. I wish I would have been a teacher, but my parents told me I had to get married. It would be better if I just got married. Um, I really wanted to try to travel to Europe, but my husband didn't travel. And so I just said, okay, like, you know, and it was stories of like shrinking and fitting into a box I didn't belong in and playing small and not using their voice. And I started to become really, really discouraged and thinking this is what life is. This is why I'm, I'm not only watching people die, thinking I'm doing this great thing because 
I'm sitting there with them and I'm, I'm helping them on their way to their next, whatever happens after you die, like they've lived a good life. And then I find out they've lived a good life, but so this is what happens. Wait a minute. Like what's going on here. And so then this woman walked into one of their communities named Maxine and she didn't have any butts. In fact, she became like a second mother to me, a grandma to my kids. And when she was dying, she didn't have any butts. She lived full out. She left it all out. Like she, when her husband passed away suddenly, yes, she mourned and yes, she missed him, but she bought herself a little motorhome and she traveled the US by herself for several years. And then when she wasn't so comfortable driving anymore, she settled down in a, in a university town in Iowa where she helped Chinese students improve their English so they could get better grades. And then when she realized maybe she was becoming more fragile, then she moved into one of the senior living communities where she helped lead this, the council in the community. She led Bible study every week and she was a source of light and encouragement for everyone, even though she faced breast cancer, even though she had all kinds of other stuff going on, she left it all out. And, and her thing, because she was a very, um, she was a spiritual person, but religiously connected spiritually. And she believed in God. And she said that her thing was that she didn't want to meet him and have him say, Maxine, I gave you all this. I gave you all this, all these gifts and I gave you this life. What'd you do with it? And then her not to have a good answer for him. And that always stuck with me. And I'm like, okay, something's got to give. And um, so is it okay if I go on as I, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm sitting here like, like breathing it all in and, and taking it all in because it's, I, I knew it was an, I, I knew it was a powerful story. So yes, please keep going. And then and then I have a couple of follow-up questions. Okay. Yeah. So in the midst of all of this that's happening, I was very stuck in my life, which I said we were, I was disconnected from my family, et cetera. And so I started working with a coach. Um, you know, sometimes when the pain of staying where you are is greater than the pain of change, you do something about it. And I want to tell you, if you're at a place in your life where you're thinking that maybe there's more for you, find someone that can help you before the pain get so bad where you are that, that you don't have a choice, you know, and, and that can look a hundred different ways. But for me, um, you know, my health was suffering and my relationships were really on the rocks. And so anyway, um, I started working with a coach, which was the catalyst for all of this. And there was another piece of the story I was going to share, but I'm, um, oh, I remember. So um, squirrel, Tyler squirrel. Uh, so I, um, I ended up after I was worked with my coach for some time, he asked me to be part of his coaching company. And so he trained me to do coaching. And then I went on and I was also certified with the John Maxwell team. And at that John Maxwell event, I was standing in line and there was this woman named Michelle in line to register. And we just started talking and she's from Colorado and, and was really successful and, and whatever. And she had teens at home and they were older than my kids. And she mentioned to me how they put their house up for rent for six months and they took their teens out of school and they traveled Europe for six months. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? You can do that. And that was like another eye opener. Like sometimes we just get so closed off in our self-imposed prisons. You know, the way we think is the way we think that we forget that there's 
possibility. If we just get so stuck in our in our normal prescribed life that we forget that there's all kinds of things out there. And that conference was amazing. And the John Maxwell team was amazing. But that one conversation with Michelle in line was a game changer because I went home and I'm like, hey, Tom, that's my husband. I met this woman and they did this thing. And that's really cool. Like, how could that translate for us? And that was the thing that was a catalyst for us buying a motorhome. I mean, one of the things, right? That's what first prompted the conversation was that my conversation in line with someone that I didn't know before that gave me a different idea that opened me up and, and, uh, and then the rest was history. I mean, we had never camped before when we sold our house, we weren't like the weekend camper people. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not who we were. We didn't know anything about it. And we here we bought this 40 foot motor home with a toy, like a toy hauler in the back where we put, um, we bought mopeds and we put them in the back because we didn't want to haul a vehicle. So we were like dumb and dumber on the, mo I don't know, maybe that's a reference. Do you get that? Okay. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. wait, you're so young. Maybe you don't get that reference, but so we're like, we each have a kid on the back of the mopeds and that's, that's how we traveled everywhere when we were on the road. Um, but um, so it was just thinking differently. Like, I don't know, uh, there were so many parts of the story that, that happened because I was exposed to people that thought differently than I did. Well, yeah, that that's the key point there is like, it's not just like one aha, it's not just one you know, event that, that inspired all of this. It was a series of events. It was mm -hmm. you being aware and present enough in each moment to take a little bit of nuggets or a little bit of, you know, insight from each moment that, that you experienced over the last couple of years leading up to that final conversation with Michelle that was like, okay, this is kind of all coming together. This is all you know, I think maybe we could make this happen. And I, and I love like, I love what you're talking about, about how so many people live just so within the lines of life or within the box of life. And, you know, even that, that whole idea of like, oh, wait, we could take our kids out of school for six months and do something. And it's like, it's like, it's not going to delay their development. It's not going, right. it's actually going to probably propel their development forward because you're mm -hmm. doing something that's going against the grain of society. And I love this like explosion of like freedom that you've experienced because of the adventure that you went on. And it's just so kind of like refreshing to hear you stand up and, and tell people and share the message that, hey, there's another way to live life. Like you don't have to, you don't have to check off all the boxes in order. You don't have to do it one way or, or no way. It's like, it's like when you get intentional with who you are as an individual and who you are as a, as a family. And I think that's what makes your story even more profound and even more exciting to hear is that not only was it just it's not like you just went off and, and road tripped across America. It was like, no, you had a husband and you had two kids and you had a family. And I think there are so many people who feel stuck because they're in a family environment because they have other people to take care of. And how, I mean, what did that conversation look like when you, when you approached Tom and you were like, Hey, I have this idea. Like, how, how did he, mm -hmm. how did he receive that? Like what, what was all of that like? 
Um, well, initially, he Tom's a processor. So I'm like 8,000 ideas all day long, right? And he's <laughs> like, okay, let me sit on one and think about it. And which is why we work so well together. But, um, and he just processed it. And he's like, and as, as we, we just kept the conversation going, you know, when I, because he's open for, I mean, he's very adventurous. He's traveled the world for work. Like he, you know, he, it, not, nothing really scares him. And he's very, um, mechanically inclined. And I mean, he built our house, like not, I'm not saying he wasn't the general contractor. Like he touched every beam, did the plumbing, did the wiring, built the furnace, like <laughs> did all the things, right? Like he, so, so um, he's not afraid of challenges. And so we initially thought about doing that exact same thing, you know, going to Europe. And then we're like, wait a minute, what about here? Like we have this beautiful country here. What could we do here? And then I started thinking about my childhood and my grandparents and I were very, very close. And um, in fact, I, every, every break from school growing up, every weekend I could beg my parents, I spent at my grandparents' house. Most all summers I spent there. And um, there was one summer when I was 15, they bought a motorhome and they, they'd always camped. So we, we had always camped with them off and on through the years. And but they, they re retired and they bought a motorhome and we drove from uh, Illinois to Florida and we camped all the way there, went to Disney. We, we can't, we pulled the motorhome on the beach in Daytona that the tide came in and we got stuck and my grandma had a meltdown and my grandpa thought it was so funny and everything was fine. But like, those are my best, some of my best memories. And so as I was reminiscing and I was telling Tom about that, I'm like, I don't consider myself a camper. Like that's not, but boy, I'll never forget those memories. Like we've talked about those, we've retold those stories for, you know, 20 years in our family now. And now both my grandparents are gone and, you know, I still have, I still have that to hang on to. And Tom had never really camped, but his parents owned um, like a resort property up here in Wisconsin and they had people that camped. And so, um, so he, he always thought that was a fun idea. So that's kind of how it started. And then we went back and forth, Tyler. Oh my goodness. There was one time um, after the kids were home for like five days in a row because uh, they had a weekend and then it was like snow. And, and we seriously, we were like, first of all, there's not enough alcohol to cope with this. <laughs> and secondly, what the hell were we thinking? Like, why were, we, why were we even talking about this? Going in a motorhome together? Like, we're in a 5,000 square foot house and we can't get along. Like, no, 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 no. This, no. And we were, and, but then about two weeks later, we were talking again and we're like, that's exactly why we have to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the problem, you know? <laughs> that That's an issue for us to not, to the kids can't get along and, like there's too much going on and we're distracted and we're frustrated. No, 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 no. Like this is why we have to do it. And um, the final catalyst happened when the company that I was working for, I had a review and the review was stellar. I was doing a great job, but I was also doing a side hustle where I was speaking and coaching. And granted, it was very minimal because I'm on call 24 seven. And when I, you know, I'm traveling every week. And um, as I sat down with them and we were discussing things moving forward, the company was growing really fast. Um, and they said, we're not paying you to fund your side hustle. We want you to quit mm. doing that on the side. 
And, and so I was devastated, but I understood like if it was my company, right. You know, and, and I was growing and I really needed the expertise of someone. And I was worried that maybe they wouldn't be available if I needed them. I would probably have asked the same thing. They're not bad people, but it was their, their, it was their baby. It's their company. So, so I'm on the phone, I'm away from home and I had this meeting with them and I'm on the phone with my husband and he had me on speakerphone and I didn't realize it. And I'm telling him the conversation and he's like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to cancel. I had a speaking engagement in like two weeks. And it was like, it was, the I'd spoken with this company several times and they kept asking me to come back. And, um, and so I'm like, I, I'm going to have to cancel. I have some people lined up that maybe can take my place and I am going to, you know, I'll stop doing the coaching with my clients and I'm just going to stop these things that are in the works. And all of a sudden I hear sniffling and I'm like, what's, am I on speakerphone? Who's that? And it was my daughter, Gwen. And she's like, wait a minute, this is what happens, mom. So like you have a dream and you're good at it and you love it. And it's what you want to do with your life. But then like some boss comes along and says, you have to quit and you just say, okay, like you just give away your dream. You just stop. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. So then I'm crying, right? Because I was already emotional about it. It was hard, but I wanted to respect them. I wanted to respect the people that I worked with. I understood where they were coming from. I didn't agree, but I understood where they were coming from. And, and so I just explained to her that, you know, I, just because I was putting it on hold didn't mean that it wasn't ever going to happen. And um, that for me was like the final push mm. that I needed to do something because once that was gone, I realized how unfulfilled I really was. Like it was in my face all the time because I would look forward to the speaking and the coaching, mm -hmm. you know, and those things. And that's what was feeding my soul. And I, so I, it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair to the company I was working for, even though I did a great job or whatever, but it wasn't fair that my hundred percent heart wasn't in it. And, and so, and so it was just a few months after that, that we ended up putting our house on the market and, and, and leaving. So mm. I gave him my notice. Yeah. Wow. What couple of things there, but I think the biggest thing is how insightful your daughter was and how you know, how kids, they see, you know, mm. that they're, they're constantly looking at how we as adults, how we live our lives and how we, you know, how we make decisions and, and how mm. we take on, you know, opportunities or missed opportunities. And I mean, they're processing all of this right. and it's so empowering to hear you talk about this and then say, and then make that decision as the parent to say, you know what, I'm not going to let my kids think that their dreams ever have to die and that, that this is just the way of life, you know? And I think so many kids see their parents so unfulfilled, so unhappy mm. in their current careers or in their, you know, in the, in their current lives. And then it just gets, it's like, tr it trickles down. And then the kids go, well, this is just how life is. Right. This is, you know, we, we have to get a job that we don't like to pay the bills and, right. and live in a house that's, you know, too much for us. And I, this is another point of the story that I think is really important. You went from 
a 5,000 square foot home, the dream home, everybody, you know, everybody wants the big kitchen, the big living room, the game mm-hmm. room, all of, you know, all of this space, they mm-hmm. think they need all of this space, sold that, you moved into an RV, spent the year traveling, you know, in an RV, which is, what is it, three, 200, yeah, 300 something, yeah. like, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's tiny, 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 it's the definition of tiny, right. and then you ended up landing back back in Wisconsin on your husband's, you know, family's land up there, the, the, the retreat that you're currently at now, and you moved into, it's an 800 square foot cabin. Is that correct? Nice memory. Yes. And I mean, it it literally (laughs) is like, and let's talk about it for a minute, because I think this idea of like minimalism, because Mm. this is what it is, it is minimalism, Mm -hmm. but it's intentional. It's, Mm. It's focused. It's not just like, hey, I want to go be a hippie and live in a tiny house and, you know, do all of this. But it's like, how has minimalizing your life, how has that given you the freedom to do what you do now? Oh, well, obviously, when you live smaller, you know, there's smaller financial commitments. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so that, but also, I mean, I can clean our cabin in, you know, like an hour, like a deep clean. It's, it's easy. Um, we only have, I'm, I, I feel like I'm going to make myself sound crazy, but I love this life. We only have six plates. Mm-hmm. Like we, we have very minimal silverware. We have, you know, like five or six coffee mugs and we have six glasses. Like it's not we just, everything is minimal. I mean, when I got married, Tyler, I had to have this set of false craft dishes and all the stuff to go with it. I had soup tureens and all these bowls and, and casserole dishes. I don't cook. I don't want to cook, but I felt like I had to, because that's what you're supposed to do. Again, it was like inside that box. Like I don't like to cook. It frustrates me. It takes too long. I don't want to have to think about all the things I have to buy. Like that isn't me. And so finally, like as we were downsizing everything, I got rid of that. I got rid of my China. (gasps) Like, you know, you're supposed to have China. Like we never (laughs) used this stuff. There was so much that it's, there's so much freedom in that. And I had a friend that came over a few weeks ago and she's like, I love how little you have in here and I mean, we don't even have closets Tyler like mm-hmm. we have no because we're this this cabin will be a rental and so we didn't want to build closets and take up space when we could use the space you know for other things and so um and that's and it works but she's like I love how minimal it is like everything has its place and it's just clean and simple and I do too and it's funny that you asked me that because it was about probably a month ago, I came into the front door to the cabin and Tom was working at the table and, and we, we had lunch and he's just like, you know, how do you feel about being here as opposed to like our big house in Iowa? And I'm like, it's so weird that you said that because I was just thinking last night that I'm, I, I almost feel happier here, like more settled, like it's cozy. 
we're together. The kids can't escape to the basement and we don't see them for hours because we're in 800 square feet. They each have their bedroom, but we're all right here. Like they have to walk through the living room or buy our bedroom, you know, for us to see them. Like we're connected Mm -hmm. and sharing a bathroom. That's a deal, but (laughs) one bathroom. What I was just going to say when, when you said connected, it made me think of, uh, did we just freeze for a second? We did. Uh We did, but you're back. Okay. Um, when you were talking about connected, um, being connected now, I think that's kind of the theme of this episode is, is connection versus disconnected. And Mm -hmm. there's that, you know, we, we talk about like early on how disconnected you felt, you know, in your life and, and, mm-hmm. you know, the job wasn't satisfying and you were feeling that burnout and you had all of this stuff, you know, you had the China, you had the soup bowls, you had the certain, the, the 14,000 different spoons that we have in drawers right, that we don't right. use. I mean, you had all of this stuff. And I think this gets me so excited because I'm, I'm, I'm totally for minimalism. Like I want to build my own ship and container home mm-hmm. and like out and out near the mountains or somewhere. And just like, you know, just be a minimalist and, mm-hmm. and not have to worry about having the white picket fence and everything like that. But yep. it, for me, this kind of lifestyle, this way of living, this minimalizing the stuff, minimalizing your space to me, it maximizes your potential as an individual. It maximizes your time. It maximizes your freedom. Mm-hmm. It maximizes, you know, your growth and your and your potential. Like, like, I think we we do it the opposite. I think we want all of these big things. We want the big car, the big house, the fancy this, the fancy that, and we sacrifice the really important things. We sacrifice like happiness we sacrifice Mm -hmm. uh you know we sacrifice freedom and time and connection with other people who matter to us just so we can have the materialistic things Mm -hmm. and i don't know what you i don't know if i have a question there but like what are your thoughts on that um i think the reason that i lived the life that I thought I had to was because I was not connected to who I was. So, you know, when we're kids, Mm. we have to like, uh, assimilate into our environment and where, where, what our caregivers want from us and what behavior is appropriate in that environment. We learn how to stay safe. We learn how to maybe not be too noisy. If that causes problems, we fit into their box, but as an adult, if we don't ever investigate how that's working for us as an adult, then we just stay in that, in that closed off space. And we just keep making decisions congruent with that. We're really our true journey as adults is to become our authentic selves Mm. to really, to use our voice. If we need to be noisy, to be noisy. And, you know, I, I remember, um, I always wanted to put on plays, like organize people and help them do things. Like that was just a thing. My, I remember when I was like seven or eight, I got in so much trouble because I rode my bike around the neighborhood and my grandpa always had like religious tracks, like that, you know, told people about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I went and sold them to all the neighbors for like 50 cents because 
I wanted to do good, but I also wanted to help. I wanted to help, but I wanted to make money. Like mm-hmm. it was a dual thing. And I'm like, isn't that interesting? Like how that translates into, you know, somewhat what I do now, because I'm still passionate about helping people. And at the time it was, that was how I knew to do it. And then they gave me money. <laughs> but, but I think that, um, if I would just listen to that more, I wouldn't have become a nurse. If I would just listen to that more, I would have like designed my own life instead of stumbling through. And I realize that we are where we are because that's the perfect place that we're supposed to be. And it's not that I have a pile of regrets because again, I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't gone through all those things. But like, I want my kids to know that there's a different way than the prescribed life. And I have conversations with my kids. I've never, I never would have had with my parents. My kids are 16 and 14. Like my 14 year old last night was showing me all of his texts back and forth with this girl that he likes and was asking me what his next move should be. Mm. Like the whole, I, he's that open with me that Mm. that's, you know, and, 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 and my daughter's 16 and she's not clamoring to get out of the house as fast as she can. Like we're looking at cars, but she's good. Mm-hmm. She's good being with us. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't wait. And my parents were good people, you know, but, but I felt like I really couldn't be myself with them. Like my goal as a parent, and yes, they are fitting into us because I'm sure we have things that are screwing them up and we just don't know it. Right. Cause I mean, we're doing the best we can, but I want them to be safe. I want home to be the safest place for them. I want them to be able to say what they think, even if it's different from what we think. I want us to be able to talk about things that are hard and I want them to be connected to themselves. And I want them to have that connection with us and in a way that's so safe, that they don't ever feel like they can't show up authentically. Would you say that the, the true goal in life is to find your authenticity yes okay yeah that's what i'm i'm just getting this like talking about like traditional way of society of like you have to do this you have to check off all of these boxes you know the house everything that we've been talking about that to me is not the fulfilling way to live to me the the fulfilling way to live life is to find yourself to really get to understand who you are as an individual and what it is that brings you passion, what it is that brings you joy, what it is that fulfills you every single moment of your life. And it sounds like that is what you are doing, not only as, as a coach, but also as a parent, as, you know, as a member of your community of all of these different kinds of things. It's like, it's like you wake up and you don't ask yourself like, oh, what do I have to get done today? It's more of like, what is it that brings me joy? What it, you know, what do I get to focus my energy and my heart on? And it's such a beautiful thing to, to hear you talk about and to hear you share. And I'm just curious, like for people who are listening to this podcast, who are feeling as inspired as I am, what, but maybe are not as, you know, as like, uh, what's the word that I'm trying to think of here, as ambitious as you and your family were, what are some maybe gradual steps that they can take Mm -hmm. in their lives to help them kind of live more 
purposefully live more intentionally? That's a great question. So you can do something as easy as this, sit down, maybe you do it with your spouse or with your kids, or if you don't have a spouse or whatever, sit down and just ask yourself, what's not working? And just get real about it. What is not working? I'm not taking care of myself. I feel disconnected from my family. I wish I had better friends. Like what is not working? And then decide one thing that you can do to, to make it work. So maybe you have a real conversation. If you're not connected, you've got to start with having a real conversation about it with that person that you want to be connected to. And it can sound something like this. Hey, I feel weird having this conversation. I feel really nervous because I'm scared that maybe you'll be defensive about it or want to blame, or maybe we'll get into an argument and that's not my intention. My intention is to connect with you and I feel disconnected. And do you have any ideas about how we can be more connected because you mean so much to me? I mean, when you come at someone, whether it's in a work setting or whether it's in your personal life with sheer authentic, like authentic conversation, it's really hard for them to come at you being defensive because if you're opening your heart, then they're more apt to open their heart too. But, but you can't change anything unless you're ready to acknowledge it. So mm-hmm. if, if your life isn't working and you're not fulfilled, you know, you're the problem and you're the solution. Like this is a you and you deal. You can blame it on other people, which is what we're taught. We have a tendency to do it. I mean, our president, our past, most recent past president spent a lot of time blaming people for things. And it's just our tendency. And I'm not coming down on him. So if this isn't political, but, um, but that's just an example of how we're taught. I mean, we're taught to blame um, other people for where we're at in our life. And you've got to really get that ultimate accountability and be like, okay, what's my part in this? What decisions am I making that are contributing to this? And what do I really want? Um, And if you don't know what you really want, you can ask yourself, why am I doing this? And then be real about it. But you've got to, you've got to be able to be real about it. And I want to go back to one more thing that you mentioned, Tyler. So you and I are, are similar in that, like, can I, can I swear? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't care. (laughs) All right. So I'm just going to say this, like if, and if, if you're listening and you're offended, I apologize in advance, but I'm going to, I'm going to swear. So I remember being on the phone with one of my friends before I left corporate and saying, the company I work for is amazing. The people are amazing, but I'm tired of being somebody's bitch. Like I'm tired of being somebody's bitch. And, and Tyler, you and I, we don't, we don't want those constraints. But there are other people that love that, that environment. And so if you are listening to this and you're like, that's great for you, but what's wrong? And like, you're feeling defensive, like what's wrong with working for someone and what's nothing is wrong with that. If that is fulfilling to you and you love that and that feeds your soul, then get after it because the world needs you. The, the, The whole gist of this is, The world needs you showing up who you are, using your gifts and being you to the fullest, period. So whatever that is for you, whether it's on your own, living in a container by the mountains or living in an RV or building a resort property in in Northern Wisconsin or living on the beach or living in your parents' basement, it doesn't matter. Like whatever that is for you, you need to do that. 
Mm, yeah, well, that's a great point to make. And, you know, this is, this is really all about, you know, the Coachpreneur podcast is all about kind of helping coaches become confident coachpreneurs. But I love that you make that point that the entrepreneurial life is not for everybody. And I think it's a message that people need to hear because if you are struggling in this world, if you if you feel de-energized because you have so much to do and you don't know how to structure your time and your days and things like that, and and you just really realize that, hey, this coaching world or this coaching life is not really for me, it's okay to say, yeah, that wasn't for me. I tried it out. I I did, you know, I went down that path. It wasn't the right path for me. And I think for me in the, in the short 27 years that I've been alive, more recently over the last 10 years, I've been going down all of these different paths, realizing mm -hmm. which path is not for me, which path doesn't bring me joy, doesn't bring me fulfillment. And finally, I stepped onto the coaching path and it just lit up my soul. And I went, okay, this is it. There is that feeling, there is that knowing that you are on the right path. You are exactly where you need to be. You are doing the things that you were born to do. And I, and this is coming from the boy who, you know, six years ago said, passion is stupid and nobody has a true purpose in life. And here I am now preaching that like, yes, I do believe everybody has a true purpose in life. And I do believe everybody has a right path that they can take. And it just takes some time to explore and to, mm -hmm. and to find your way. And that truly is the joy of living. It's not necessarily to just get on one path and stick on that one path for years and years and years and years. It's like, let yourself be open, let yourself be free to explore and to find what it is that truly makes your heart sing. I say mm -hmm. that all the time, but it's such mm -hmm. an important message to always be reminded. Yeah. I am. Um, and I think that um, we can get pushed into all kinds of things or feel like we should do all kinds of things. And so if it doesn't feel right in your body, you know, because we always feel our feelings in our body first, right? If it doesn't feel right in your body, pay attention to that. Um, and it's okay. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Nobody else is going to be on the deathbed reviewing your life for you. Like you're the one that's going to do that. And so live true to who you are. And because it's, it's truly a gift. Like when you show up as yourself, you give other people permission to do that too. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to kind of wrap up this conversation today. Bethany, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. I, I love connecting with you. I love having our soulful conversations like this. How can people connect with you out in the world? How can they, how can they, you know, stay connected to your journey? Sure. Um, thanks for asking that, Tyler. So um, I, I'm on Instagram uh, with, uh, just with my name, Bethany Clemenson, and uh, you can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, if you want to get connected to me in a more deep way, I, I do have a resource that's called More Please. If you, you know, I refer to sitting down and getting real about what's working and not working this actually helps you walk through that. So it doesn't matter whether you're an entrepreneur coach, it doesn't matter who you are, what you do. Um, this would be able to help you walk through eight different life areas. I actually have a video where I walk you through step-by-step. Step. I have you pause the video, do the work, and then come back 
And um, it's, it's at bigliferesources.com forward slash more, please. And uh, it's a, again, it's a free resource. And um, it was the work that I started to do in the beginning of my journey. And I do about every six months to get real with myself, to stay on track and be consistent about how I'm showing up and who I am. So yeah, that's a fantastic resource. I will put all of that information in the show notes down below. Uh, before we officially wrap up the conversation, I always end the podcast with one final question. And I know we didn't really talk too much about your coaching journey or you know yourself as a coach, but if you could go back to the very beginning of your coaching journey, what piece of advice would you give your, your younger self to make the journey just a little bit easier? As so, when I first was learning, and now even I listen to other coaches, and I wasn't always listening with the mindset of gleaning their process. Not that I want to steal a process, I was listening to learn from them. I would say, listen both ways. Like, I like now with my coach, I pay attention to the questions that she asks me and how she asks them because not only I want to be a good um, client of hers and answer the questions, but I also take away, Ooh, I could phrase this question differently with my clients. I could, you know, everybody has something to teach you. And so just paying attention um, to people that are ahead of you and, and how they ask the questions, how they show up, you know, find those people that look like your future and follow them closely, study, study them. Mm -hmm. because you'll learn so much. And yes, coaching school, obviously you learn a lot there too, but I mean, so much comes from just getting your hands wet, so to speak, you know, getting in there and doing the work too. I, I love it. I think two important things there is to listen and learn, and then also to just get out and do. Um, and it's sometimes it's the hardest things to do sometimes is to just take action, but mm -hmm. it's so important. Uh, thank you, Bethany, so much for your time today. Thank you, audience, for listening. Please join me next time for another Coachpreneur conversation. Thank you for listening to the Coachpreneur podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Tyler Transformed. And if you're a coach who's ready to be a confident and successful Coachpreneur, then I personally invite you to join me in my Confident Coaches Facebook group. And finally, if you haven't already done so, please help me keep this conversation going by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing the podcast. And be sure to join me next time for another Coachpreneur conversation.